you remain standing for our reading of scripture today, which comes to us out of Genesis chapter 1. We read verses 1 through 5, the very beginning of the Bible, the first page, Genesis 1, beginning in verse 1. It says, In the beginning, when God created the heavens and the earth, the earth was a formless void, and darkness covered the face of the deep, while a wind from God swept over the face of the waters. Then God said, Let there be light, and there was light. And God saw that the light was good, and God separated the light from the darkness. God called the light day, and the darkness he called night. There was evening, there was morning, the first day. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. I invite you to be seated. Let's pray. Lord, open our hearts and minds by the power of the Holy Spirit. Lord, as scripture is read, as word is proclaimed, help us hear with joy what you say to us this day in your name. Amen. Today we continue our worship series entitled Hot Topics where we're asking different uh, questions of our faith and uh, today we ask another of those uh, skeptical, scandalous questions and the question is, can I believe in science and creation? Can I believe in science and creation? Now this morning we only read verses 1 through 5 of Genesis. Um, I highly recommend uh, going back and reading all of chapter 1. For the sake of time this morning, I didn't. But I encourage you when you go home, finish reading out Genesis 1 um, just as a spiritual practice this week. (coughs) After discovering how to clone humans, two scientists decided to challenge God. We don't need you anymore, they said to God. We can make life by ourselves now. Okay, God replied, let's have a man-making contest. All right, said the scientists, we'll do it just like you did in the beginning. And so they reached down to grab a handful of dirt to begin to form their man, and then a voice boomed out of the heavens, and it was God saying, hold on. If you don't need me, then find your own dirt. Science is about asking questions. These questions gather data. Data is simply the observable evidence which allows human beings to understand things within our world. Science, uh, scientists constantly ask more and more questions. The goal is to write, ask the right questions so to, in order to get enough data to ask the next question. And so the line of questioning continues. Scientists expect truth to be found in hard data that results from empirical evidence, that which cannot be denied, that which is provable. People of faith believe that trusting only the physical world is too limited a way to view existence. Many of our questions that we ask are outside the scope of science because there is no data which can be found on it. Because our questions are things like, why are we here? How are we to live our lives? How do we know God is real? Where is God? And so on and so forth. But here's the thing to remember, folks, and this is our bottom line today. Science 
and religion are not, by definition, opposites. And yet, that is often how scientists and Christians approach each other. Let me give you an example. There was a young man uh, who was taking a college biology class uh, based on evolutionary theory. And at the same time, he was attending a Bible study where those leading the study were criticizing the science teachers by saying that they challenged Christianity by teaching evolution. They called science on that campus, quote, the devil on campus, being used to tell young people lies about God. And that was the basis for that entire Bible study. Unfortunately, this is a true and vivid illustration of the divide between science and religion. The questions that this, that this kind of reasoning or logic or thought raises are, are things like, are science and faith exclusive? Is it possible to accept both? Does belief in one lessen the validity of the other? But folks, I would argue that the real tragedy is that few good places exist today to ask hard questions about faith to persons of science or to ask hard questions about science to persons of faith because they are always trying to outdo one another. Have you experienced that? Oftentimes we're too busy arguing to get along and ask questions and to learn. A study conducted by the, the uh, Barna Group in 2007 found that 72% of those aged 16 to 29 years and who claim affiliation outside of a church claim that Christians and their belief are out of touch with reality. 72% of 16 to 29 year olds believe that. And the main reason is because historically the church has been seen as anti-science. The standard view in the past few centuries has been that, that belief in one is also a rejection of the other. But sisters and brothers, the fight between the two is a false argument. When scientists and Christians talk about the origins of the universe, there's a fundamental difference in their lines of questioning. Let me explain. The primary questions of Scripture is who and why, and then to a lesser extent, what. The Bible doesn't teach that the world was created 6,000 years ago. It doesn't teach that the world was created 13.8 billion years ago. Scripture teaches one thing. It teaches that God created the heavens and the earth. It tells us in Genesis that God created the heavens, the earth, and the animals on the earth. The rest of Scripture tells us that God is love. That God created the world and, humil and humanity out of that love. 
On the other hand, evolution asks what processes created the diversity that exists in the life around us. Evolution is asking how. Folks, these are fundamentally different and not necessarily competing areas of interest. Scripture is asking the who and the why. Evolution is asking the how. Let's look at this through another example. Let's imagine that uh, Aunt Matilda has made a beautiful cake. And we take it along to be analyzed by a group of the world's top scientists. The nutritional scientist says uh, we'll be able to tell us about the number of calories in the cake and its nutritional effects. The biochemist will uh, uh, inform us about the structure of proteins and fats and acids in the cake. The physicist will be able to analyze the cake in terms of fundamental par particles and particulates. And the mathematicians, God rest them, God, God, God bless the mathematicians, they will no doubt have a series of equations to describe the behavior of those particles described by the physicists. We will no doubt have a thorough description of how the cake was made and its various ingredients and how they relate to each other. But suppose I now ask the group of assembled experts a final question. Why was the cake made? Why was the, the cake made? The grin on Aunt Matilda's face shows that she knows the answer to the why. Because she made it for a purpose. But all the scientists in the world will not be able to answer the question why. And it is no insult to their uh, disciplines. It is no insult to, to them or the incapacity to answer it. Their disciplines cannot answer the why questions connected with the purpose for which the cake was made. No matter how brilliant a mind is. They can never answer the question. In fact, the only way for us to know the why or to ever get the answer to the question why is if Aunt Matilda reveals it to us. But if she does not disclose the answer, the plain fact is that no amount of scientific analysis will enlighten us on the why. Are you with me this morning? Both science and faith are necessary for wisdom in the modern world. Both science and faith are necessary for wisdom in the modern world. Think of it like this. A religionless view denies part of our identity and fails to answer questions of meaning and, answer, and questions of purpose. Science, though, can, can, can help us understand the building blocks of the universe moments after it was created, but they can't give us the answer to why it was created. And they cannot even give us the answer to who might have created it because 
no science and no theologian can prove or disprove God. Science cannot provide many answers at all about some of the most important questions that we ask in life, Christians. Some of the questions such as hope and sacrifice and love. These questions are the domain of faith. So the question that we have to be asking all of our brothers and sisters outside of these walls is do we really want a religionless world? I mean, for us, obviously not. But for those who may be on the fence, this is a, a legitimate question we should be asking. Do we want a religionless world? Do we want a world that would not hear that all humans are made in the image of God? that God loves or that we all have value, that God created each and every single one of us for a purpose, for a reason, that we have a reason to exist in this world because of God. Do we want a world that would never hear the message to turn the other cheek or to love our neighbors as ourselves? A world that would never be told the idea that life can exist after death or that hope is always justified? Do we want that kind of world? Do we want anyone else to grow up in that kind of world? That's an easy question for all of us, but it's a question to be asking folks out there. But let's flip the script, shall we? Do we also want to live in a world without science? Do we want a world without antibiotics or computers or airplanes or cell phones? No. Do we want a world without progress? Do we want a world without understanding of how, how things work? Folks, we are healthier and more knowledgeable people because we have science. How many religious people who dismiss scientific thought still go to the doctor when they are sick. <laughs> Hello? <laughs> How many are doctors themselves? A world without science would mean rejecting the truths that are staring us right in the face. Do we really want a world without religion? Do we really want a world without science? Some Christians say they stand for truth and yet deny scientific truth for which there is overwhelming data and evidence to support. As a result, many people outside the church have become wary of trusting religion, seeing it as the realm of the uneducated, the ignorant, and the stubborn. Folks, Humanity needs both religion and science. The wise path is trusting that a synthesis exists even if we are too limited to see it fully. Someone say amen. Theologians and scientists have been, uh, for the most part, asking different questions. And neither of us ought to dismiss the other. Scientist uh, Troy Van Voorhees, professor of chemistry at MIT. 
He argues that faith and science both have their place in helping us understand how the universe works. And this is his quote. Of course science helps us understand how the universe works. What's not as clear is what role faith plays in this. Some would even argue this is a question that faith ought to keep away from. At best, faith provides a simplistic and incorrect models that are going to be embarrassingly disproved by later scientific testing. But this argument, he goes on, assumes there can only be one explanation and, ex and ignores the existence of multiple layers of meaning. He goes on. He says, let me give you an example. He says, you could ask me, Troy, why is your shirt purple? And he says, I could give you a scientific answer. I could say my shirt is purple because there's a high concentration of 6.6 dibromo, uh, dibromoindigo, whatever you pronounce it, in the fibers that were used to weave it. He said, I could use, uh, I could even test that hypothesis by attempting to remove the dye from the shirt to demonstrate the molecular reason as to why my shirt is purple. But he goes on and says, however, I could offer another explanation. My shirt is purple because my wife likes that color on me. They're both right. And they're both not wrong. So why can't science and faith both be right and both be not wrong in other situations? The earth was created by the processes of. The earth was created by God because of love. Are either of those wrong? No. Both can be true. We have God and we have the process processes created by God. And those processes created by God we call science. Folks, science and creation is on the same team. We need both in this world. And they were never designed to be used against each other. I want to quickly read to you the official stance of the United Methodist Church. And uh, this is, uh, ex I think there's some excerpts on your bulletin there, but the full statement is in the uh, um, online outline that is available for you to download. But I just want to read this to you real quickly. It says, We recognize science as a legitimate interpretation of God's natural world. We affirm the validity of the claims of science in describing the natural world and in determining what is scientific. We preclude science from making authoritative claims about theological issues and theology from making authoritative claims about scientific issues. We find that science's descriptions of cosmological, geological, and biological evolution are not in conflict with theology. We recognize medical, technical, and scientific technologies as legitimate uses of God's natural world when uh, such use enhances 
human life and enables all of God's children to develop their God-given creative potential without violating our ethical convictions about the relationship of humanity to their natural world. We re-examine our ethical convictions as our understanding of the natural world increases. We find that as science expands human understanding of the natural world, our understanding of the mysteries of God's creation and word are enhanced. In acknowledging the important roles of science and technology, however, we also believe that theological understandings of human experience are crucial to a full understanding of the place of humanity in the universe. Science and theology are complementary rather than mutually incompatible. We therefore encourage dialogue between the scientific and theological communities and seek the kind of participation that will enable humanity to sustain life on earth and, by God's grace, increase the quality of our common lives together. We have science, we have God, we have creation. They are not mutually incompatible. They are complementary. They are on the same team. This is the gospel message for us today. Glory be to the Father, to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit. Amen.